All right, I want to take a moment to thank our presenting partners, the Utah Department of Public Safety, Secuvant, the Utah Department of Technology Services, and the Utah Attorney General's Office. Every week on this program, these terrific partners provide expertise and insight to help business and civic leaders better understand the challenge of cybersecurity and how to keep your organization safe. Valcom gets IT right. Whether your business is a startup or an enterprise, the Valcom team has the experience and the tools to make you more effective at what you do. Valcom will be more than just your IT reseller. They'll become an extension of your IT team. Find out more at vlcmtech.com. That's vlcmtech.com. Secuvant is a leading network security company specializing in creative, customized solutions that meet the needs of small and medium-sized businesses. They offer a wide range of services from managed security and virtual CISO consulting to cyber risk advisory and data breach recovery assistance. No matter what your specific security requirements may be, or what your comfort level with IT is in general, Secuvant will map your cybersecurity program to the business areas that are relevant to you, including brand and reputation, legal liability, intellectual property, business disruption, and so much more. For more information, call 1-855-SECUVANT or visit secuvant.com. That's S-E-C-U-V-A-N-T.com. All right, welcome to Cyber 24. Just a reminder, this is the second part of a two-part series that's based on a discussion we had, a panel discussion we had, and an event hosted by one of our sponsors, Valcom, just a couple of weeks ago. It was an interesting discussion with some great insight from some really smart experts in the field of cybersecurity, and we thought we'd bring it to you in two parts, this being the second part. If you want to find part one of the discussion, wherever you found this podcast now, you can probably find part one there as well. If you can't find it for some reason, you can go to our website at cyber24.us. That's cyber, the number two, the number four, dot US. That's where you can find the first part. With that, let's get into our panel discussion, part two. We've seen that these, ta- these attacks have become commoditized. For $50, I can go out and launch a DDoS t- attack against your company. And more than likely, you won't withstand it. And I don't even have to get my hands dirty. I give somebody on the internet, organized crime, $50 to attack you. That's, it's that simple. If there's somebody who doesn't like you, it costs as little as $50 to have you attacked and put you out of business for a certain amount of time. Um, the reality is, can you guard against that? Maybe, maybe not. Depends on your network, depends on your exposure, depends on all those things that we've been talking about, the continual review of threat and vulnerability and how we're going to mitigate our risks. What are managed detection and response services and why do businesses need that type of service? Can you help us understand what those are, managed detection and response services? MDR, managed detection and response, a fairly new term uh, from Gartner. Um, and the, the idea is traditional MSSP services, uh, managed security service providers, uh, is kind of changing in the sense that uh, if you're not monitor, managing a firewall, configuring policies, or you're not configuring... Uh, web application firewalls, you're not performing the action, um, but you're still an outsourced provider and and you're only monitoring that environment, that's where the MDR conversation comes into play. So um, 
there's many companies out there that will say we're an MSSP, but they don't log into your firewalls. They don't configure your systems for you. They become a bolt-on of your IT offering. And, and that's kind of where Secubant plays specifically in the MDR space where, you know, we won't come in, manage your firewalls, but we'll monitor all of the environments. And, and we like to see uh, an extension of the IT team is kind of how we like to be uh, portrayed. So um, pulling in the log data, pulling in the network data, correlating that with our threat intelligence feeds, and enriching, enhancing the indicators of compromise that we might see in an organization. That's where MDR really fits in. But the response aspect of that, you've got, you know, you're managing and detecting, but the response is, is a critical component. Uh, it's not just about shipping alerts over the fence. It's how can we best respond in this incident and what kind of guidance can we provide to make sure that you're responding and remediating these uh, issues so they don't pop up again. And that goes to uh, suggesting controls. What controls do you need to put in place? You guys are getting hammered with phishing attacks consistently, you know, five a month. Maybe that now justifies some sort of anti-phishing vendor that you need to put in front of your, your uh, mail servers. So that's where the response portion of that MDR conversation comes in. Yeah, add, add to my list of five things a uh, uh, secure email gateway. Uh, it, it'll knock down so much of this uh, phishing and crud that's coming into your organization. I've seen users, uh, user companies uh, reduce 80% of the phishing attempts that get to the desktop. So I'm a big fan of those. All right. So for those folks who are here today that clearly have, have security on the brain, They're, they want to address these issues, or for any company who may be listening to this later, um, you've decided to uh, make your company more secure. Uh, there are so many places where you could begin in that effort. Where would each of you recommend as a first step uh, I know, Matt, you've had a couple of lists for us, but what would you say for a business that says, you know, I've sort of always just said, Joe, the IT guy, will handle it. Where's the first place that that business should start? What's the first thing that you would recommend? Uh, look assuming at? I am Joe, the IT guy, and my leadership has just pointed the finger at me and I don't have a lot of power to change that scenario, uh, what I would start to do is I would count, configure, and secure, and patch. So... I wouldn't want people in my IT organization spinning up virtual machines willy-nilly as many as they needed whenever they wanted. I would want to know I have 10 or 15 or 500 or 5,000. And I know that's easier said than done, but that's asset inventory. That's asset management, knowing what you've got. I've seen companies lose millions and millions of social security numbers out of databases that they didn't even know they had. Databases that hadn't been touched for years, just sitting there. And so knowing what you've got and then deploying and managing a configuration baseline for whatever it is, whether it's a database, web server, Windows server, a baseline that's a secure config, and then patch. Deploy the patches, and if patch, patching breaks things and that causes you to not patch, you've got to get to the root cause of why that's happening. Uh, you can't just not patch. And then repeat, and that is part of someone's job. Maybe in a big company, it's it's a couple of people's full-time job. Anyone else want to weigh in on that? Yes, we've talked a lot about phishing. We've talked a lot about uh, patching. And that should kind of hit home. Those are the, the biggest things that we're seeing these days, patching in the sense that you know there's a lot of ransomware going on. Um, so if we talk free things, things you could take home today, um, patching your system is free. Now, managing the patches is difficult and sometimes can be you have a tool. But um, even just turning on automatic patching, now that can break certain components, as we all know. So, uh, but still, if if you patch your systems, a lot of the drive-by downloads, a lot of the ransomware attacks that are leveraging these um, vulnerabilities as early 
you know, as a few months ago, or um, just March of this year was kind of the big one, the NSA tool sets that, that got dumped. Um, all of those attackers are, are weaponizing that that dump and using it against your organization. So even if you have a, an annual patching policy, that's actually not working right now. A lot of organizations we're seeing uh, taken down by ransomware. And, and as was mentioned earlier, there are businesses going out of business because if your entire uh, file server gets encrypted, can you recover? Do you have backups in place? Backups not free, but definitely up there, um, especially if it's mission critical systems. If you have um, a lot of intellectual property in there or you have a lot of customer data in there, whether it's in a database or file server or a spreadsheet somewhere, uh, if you don't have a backup of that and ransomware hits, you're toast at this point, right? So, I mean, good luck trying to pay the Bitcoin and, and get it back. Maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. Um, but at the end of the day, Businesses are going out of business purely around ransomware. Businesses are losing hundreds of thousands of dollars purely based on phishing campaigns. Someone sitting in their environment. So free things, patch, definitely patch. Uh, the endpoint landscape is difficult. So we're starting to suggest a lot of endpoint uh, kind of plays. Um, but email gateways, if you have a next-gen firewall, which most of the people in this room would or should have, um, getting an email gateway in place is probably going to be your biggest competitor uh, uh, remediation step for phishing specifically. And, and the phishing attacks is, it's easy. It's easy to spin up a phishing campaign when you have a 30% click rate from your users. And 30% is an average number that we're seeing. We see a lot of companies with 60% click rates. Um, right now we have a, a lot of phishing campaigns going on with uh, UPS tracking of shipments. You know, everyone's expecting a package at their house, so I can send you a, hey, click here to track your package. Oh, by the way, sign in. Thanks for your password. Um, and then tax season next year, That'll come around and you'll start seeing a lot of requests for, for a lot of HR services. So train your users on that. Training your users is somewhat free. And so phishing, phishing, phishing. That, that's kind of the big attack vector to, to get a foothold into your email. And so. So it sounds like even though generally the public is using computers or devices more frequently, nobody's getting any smarter about protecting their passwords. Is that a, f a fair assessment? Multiple times a day we, we authenticate to systems, and so we're just in the habit of, of authenticating. And attackers will, will mimic an O365 login page, they'll mimic a Gmail login page, uh, and present it to your user in your company, and, and they'll log in. One of the things I think is effective is, one, a policy for everyone to understand that we don't use our work credentials anywhere outside of work. Number two, IT, we have, a, we have a way to audit our O365 mail accounts for auto-forward rules. As soon as someone clicks a phishing link and gives away their creds, that attacker will come into that account and put in an auto-forward rule. And then they lurk and they'll watch and they're just looking for someone who has access to cash, a wire transfer, or a, some other kind of uh, sales transaction where they can get uh, a payment. Diverted. Yeah, that, that particular uh, email forwarding thing is what we see that all the time. But one of the first places we in the Bureau saw that was in the Hakarazzi case. I don't know if you guys remember that. A good friend of mine investigated that, and that was where uh, famous actors, well, actresses really, um, Scarlett Johansson and Jennifer Lawrence and all these, they had naked photos, and they got, they got leaked out. Someone was getting it. And one, one of those actresses in particular, we were on their email trying to figure out what was happening, and he had just set that forward. And so everything that she was, essentially he had like a wiretap on her email, and everything she was sending was going to this guy. He knew everything that was going on. Um, so that is a very common tactic.
The cyber breach at FedEx cost the company $300 million, all because FedEx was not insured for cyber breach losses. Could your business withstand a $300 million cyber loss? I'm guessing the answer is no. Over half a million small to medium-sized businesses will close their doors as the result of a cyber event. So what should you do to protect your business? Talk to the cyber liability professionals at Hayes Companies. Policy placement is only one step in an overall risk management approach to manage your firm's cyber liability exposure. At Hayes Companies, they design a program specifically for you, customized to your business priorities. For more information, call 801-580-5501 or visit HayesCompanies.com. That's 801-580-5501 or HayesCompanies.com, H-A-Y-S Companies.com. Do you know what's connecting to your network today? With mass adoption of IoT predicted by 2019, how do you embrace the Internet of Things and still keep your business safe? Valcom and their valued partner Aruba Networks can help. Aruba Networks is a Hewlett Packard enterprise company. They know that businesses need a way to identify and profile all the devices at the point of connection and then be able to quickly assign policies to enforce permitted behavior. Aruba ClearPass Policy Manager gives you control and visibility over any wired or wireless network so you can monitor, set rules, and automatically kick suspicious devices right off your network. Whether it's a mobile device in the conference room or a security camera in reception, trust what's on your network with Valcom and Aruba ClearPass. Visit vlcmtech.com clearpass to learn more and request a free ClearPass demo today. That's vlcmtech.com clearpass. DigiCert is a leading provider of scalable security solutions for a connected world. The most innovative companies, including the Global 2000, choose DigiCert for its expertise in identity and encryption for web servers and Internet of Things devices. DigiCert supports SSL and TLS and other digital certificates for PKI deployments at any scale through its certificate lifestyle management platform, Cert Central. The company has been recognized with dozens of awards for its enterprise-grade management platform, fast and knowledgeable customer support, and market-leading growth. For the latest DigiCert news and updates, visit digicert.com or follow at DigiCert on Twitter. That's D-I-G-I-C-E-R-T, digicert.com. Okay, so you need to address your organization's cybersecurity challenges, but you aren't quite ready to hire someone full-time. So have you considered outsourcing your cyber risk management? Ide Bailey's Virtual Information Security Officer will partner with you to defend your organization against cyber threats at a fraction of the cost of bringing someone on full-time. A Virtual Information Security Officer from Ide Bailey will work with your business year-round, testing your systems, educating your team, and managing your organization's risk. For more information, go to eidbailey.com slash virtual. That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com slash virtual. Take control of your organization's cybersecurity now at eidbailey.com slash virtual. And I know this isn't the most fun thing to talk about, but I see it all the time, and that's processes. Be organized and have processes for all of these things, whether it's change control for patch management or what I see a lot are incident response plans 
that if they even exist, which most of the time they don't, but if they do, they're outdated and they're sitting in a three-ring binder up on the shelf. When I come in and say, where are we at in your plan? They point to the plan and say, well, that's up there, but this is what I'm doing now. You've got to have plans that work. And if it's even a simple plan, but it's something you'll actually follow, have that plan and be able to follow it. And let me just put a plug in for law enforcement right now. Please involve us early in your incident response. Please involve us early because there's a lot we can do and bring to the table. I've been able to get lots of money, tens of thousands of dollars back to companies that have errantly transferred it to the wrong bank account. I have been able to help people mitigate the problem with ransomware and stop, stop different systems from being uh, encrypted by just asking a couple of questions to the, to the person responding to the incident because they called us early. But if we get called late, there's not much we can do to help in that mitigation stage. And it limits the evidence that we can collect to go and finally get the bad guys. Because you call us doesn't mean we'll go through your dirty laundry. It doesn't mean that we have to even open an investigation. It just means we can engage with you and help. And it helps us get the evidence and help coach you on how, how to get us the evidence so we can actually catch the bad guys. Should I be afraid of contacting law enforcement, Special Agent Mari, uh, as a company... What if you, what if the fear that's common is I might invite unwanted scrutiny? Yes, that, that is a common fear. And one thing I'll say is I have investigated large scale breaches both in this valley and in Utah Valley. None of you have heard about them. They haven't been in the press because we don't tell anyone. Another thing I'll say is just because you talk to me doesn't mean I have to open an investigation. We work together on that. I work with the victim. Another thing I'll say is we do not report any sort of regulatory problems to any of the regulatory agencies because we can't do that. When we have open investigations, we're not able to share that information. We literally cannot do that. So a lot of those things that people are afraid of um, are just not founded, well-founded fears. The other thing I found are an obstacle for people reporting to us is they don't know who we are. We're that faceless monolith of, of law enforcement. Well, now you have a friendly face that you can see right here. You can call me. I'll give you my card after this. If you call the FBI, you can ask for Adam. Ask for the Cyber Task Force. We would love to talk with you and, and help coach you through that. So in particular, in the business email compromise or any sort of social engineering uh, issue, it could be on the phone, it's not always, but it's most typically through email, where you wired money to the wrong bank account or to someone that you don't know and you figured it out. If it's an international wire transfer, within 72 hours, there's a lot that we can do to try to stop that and get that money back. In fact, we, have, we had one instance where someone called us about five hours after it happened, and we had law enforcement officers in another country waiting outside the bank for the people to come who tried to withdraw that money, and they were arrested right there on the spot. That's what we can do if you call us. We, we generally say within 72 hours for an international and as soon as possible for a domestic transfer. That one example I gave where I was able to push money back, they called us within literally 10 minutes of making the errant transfer. And I was able to call the banks and make sure that that money got transferred back. Please involve us early. There's a lot we can do if you do. And there's not much we can do if it's way after, way after the fact on those particular cases. But please just involve us at some point. We really want to catch the bad guys. We really want to get these cyber actors and deter them. And we can't do it unless you talk to us about it. Well, let's wrap up with a, a question where we ask you to predict the future a little bit. If you're, sitting, if you're sitting here at this same panel five years from now, what do you think the cybersecurity landscape looks like? Have we gotten better at anything five years from now, or how much more advanced are the criminals? Just what would you think it would look like five years from now? That's a tough one. Um, 
specifically related to wire transfers with cryptocurrency, right? Um, as cryptocurrency becomes bigger, one of my, my theories is uh, the attacks become easier. I mean, we're already seeing millions of dollars being lost in the cryptocurrency world. And so as businesses start taking that and they, they don't understand how to treat the wallets and as real cash or as real uh, monetary value, um, my, my, my theory is five years from now, uh, cryptocurrency is going to be the primary target for uh, taking money from organizations. I think the big problem we're going to continue to struggle with is going to be authentication. How do we authenticate good from bad? And I think this goes not only just users at computers or phones, but in cars. Uh, you know, the Internet of Things poses a, a, an enormous attack surface. The manufacturing industries behind Internet of Things devices are not are not doing. They're not producing secure products, and they're not acquainted with secure manufacturing methods that would lead to the ability to secure that infrastructure. It's going to be a big deal. Um, but I think even authenticating the things we take for granted today, um, a video, a news story, uh, YouTube videos, uh, things of that nature is going to be uh, degraded. Our, our ability to trust will be, uh, I think, eroded uh, as we move forward in the future. Internet of Things is an interesting one because Everything we've talked about so far today has been aimed at making your networks more secure, your passwords stronger, your people better trained. And after all that, it might be your smart thermostat in the building that gets you, believe it or not. Yeah. Neil? I think we're evolving down this, this path. And, I, and I, what hasn't been said and what I think probably is a threat that, that we may overlook more than we should and one that's a very hard one, but it's, it goes back to process and authentication, and that is our insider threats people that work for us, people that, that know us, people that know us, how well do they know us and how well do you know them and what information do they have about you or about your company that, that they can do things with that maybe they don't mean to or maybe they do mean to. But the ability to, for people to have information about you or your company and be able to misuse that information. I think that as a company, um, you've got employees that work for you what, what is employee, employee satisfaction? Do you know how satisfied your employees are? Do you know which, which employees are not satisfied? What information do they have? How do you protect yourself? I think that's, that's an evolving threat that we need to take a really good hard look at is how do, how do we make sure that, that our intellectual property and our reputations are safe with the people we trust? I've got, uh, since there's nothing on the line here, I've got two predictions because nothing happens if I'm wrong, right? <laughs> Uh, the first one, and it's already happening now, and I know it's going to be happening over the next five years, and that is what Neil talking about, the commodification of hacking. Uh, cryptocurrency was a sea change in hacking because it took the, the difficulty of getting money out of your victims from something that was extremely difficult to much easier. And as people become more and more comfortable with cryptocurrencies, as we're seeing the interest in it rise, funneled by the, or fueled by this Bitcoin rise, as people get more comfortable with it, we're going to see more and more hacking of individuals and companies getting that cryptocurrency, and we're going to see the, the level of abstraction added to hacking tools increase. What that means is people with a very low skill level will be able to use hacking tools and then facilitate their payments through cryptocurrencies. That is going to rise, and we're going to see that spread like wildfire. That's one prediction. The second thing, on the bleeding edge of of cybercrime, what we're going to see on both sides is AI and machine learning. There's going to be more and more AI and machine learning tools 
to protect you and more and more AI and machine learning to attack you. I think we're going to start seeing the AI wars, so Skynet's coming. I'll take the long shot and say that Special Agent Mari is going to catch all the bad guys and there will be no more cybercrime, right? <laughs> That's what I thought that maybe one of your predictions might have been. We'll all hope for that. Gentlemen, thanks so much for your time and your insight today. Let's have a round of applause for our panel. We want to thank Secuvant and, of course, the uh, FBI Cyber Task Force uh, for lending some expertise today and, of course, Valcom for having us all here. Thanks so much, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. All right, before we go, I want to thank our presenting partners, Secuvant, the Utah Department of Public Safety, the Utah Department of Technology Services, and the Utah Attorney General's Office. We also want to thank our distribution partners at utahpolicy.com for helping spread the word. We remind you to visit our website at cyber24.us. That's cyber, the number two, the number four, dot us, where you can find more episodes of this podcast as well as some other helpful information. You can follow us on Facebook by searching Cyber24. We hope you'll follow us on Twitter as well, at Cyber24 underscore. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you may be listening to this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher. And of course, we want to thank our sponsors, Valcom, Digicert, Hayes Companies, and Ide Bailey. Please support them the way they support our podcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next time.